Hi guys, welcome to Talking in Bed with Jen. Um, <clears throat> today's episode focuses on K-pop groups, and um, I don't get right into it. It's a little bit of a shorter episode, I'm sure you notice. If you want to skip over the first, I would say about 15 minutes of the pod, you'll get uh, closer to where I start talking about K-pop groups. If you're like a big K-pop head and you want to get right to the info. I think if you're a big K-pop fan, you already know the answer to this question. So if you're just curious, (laughs) you can skip right ahead to the K-pop business. If you want to hear about like autumn coziness and um, the purpose of podcasting, and if you want to hear me complain about how my coffee machine isn't warming up, you can just stick around for the whole episode that is coming up right now. It's another episode of this show. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Um, <clears throat> I attempted to make coffee, and, uh, I had the genius idea of, like, frothing the milk with the machine first, and now I've been waiting for far too long for the blinky light to tell me that it's ready to make coffee. Um... And it's it's very annoying, I have to tell you. I realize that this is a very... (laughs) This is not a universal issue. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get a cup of coffee in here. Um, So yesterday, I released sort of a, a rambly, long episode that had some things to do with math. It was not really a very focused episode, and um, that upset some people that are maybe really into math, and uh, not, I mean, my God, not many. There were just some comments that (laughs) it was maybe not as, mm, it didn't answer the question, why is math hard? To an extent it did. I did give three reasons why math is hard for some people. Um, But they were really nestled sort of deep within the episode, and it was kind of surrounded by a lot of just me, just me talking, you know? And obviously I'm still finding my way with podcasting, and I have no issue with uh, the fact that my... material is um like kind of unfocused sometimes I'm fine with that um because you know what is funny that struck me as I was looking at some of the (laughs) things people had said and really nobody was mean about what they said they were just kind of like this wasn't really as it didn't really answer the question and um and it, partly, I realized that the the title used to be, I changed it to be a little more specific. It was, Why is Math So Hard? And I realized that that does sound like this podcast is going to answer that question. 
it could also be taken, and I think if you listened to the episode, you kind of would understand that it was sort of me asking a genuine question in the title um, and not necessarily coming to a really distinct answer. I sort of answered, why is it so hard for me? I answered that question. And I suppose that would have been a more specific title, I could go back and change it. Why is math so hard for me? Still waiting on that coffee, by the way. The little blinky lights are still blinking. What is actually the issue? It's going to make me crazy. Um, <laughs> beautiful, rainy, cold, cool fall day in southern Germany over here. Really, like, this is, this is my kind of day. I mean, truly, like, leaves all over the ground. I've got colorful trees outside my window. I've got another bright yellow tree outside my window. And, um, just, I mean, it's like a, per literally a perfect cozy day. A drizzle is going on. Everything's wet. Ugh. When I was a kid, if we had like a rainy Thanksgiving day, heaven, absolutely heaven. My, um, all but one of my grandparents passed away when I was pretty young. So I didn't, well, it's sort of half true. Anyway, we don't have to get into <laughs> all that. But I mainly celebrated Thanksgiving at the home of a great aunt who is still with us. And she, it was in an old house. I couldn't, the house had a wraparound porch, which is a trend that no longer exists. Well, maybe it's coming back in America, but it was, I don't know, what is that kind of put it at? Maybe the 1920s or something when wraparound porches were more, were much more common. And, um, so it was just this kind of, like, old house that, um, had this wonderful kind of lived-in feel. The decor was still very, like, like, taking a lot of inspiration from, let's say, the early 80s. So, like, brown rug, a lot of, like, fake wood, uh, or just, like, wood, brown, like, very fall colors in the house. And, um... The bathroom had pink and black tiles, which were so, like, distinctive to me. And then there was this little, I guess it would have been another bedroom. You could have, ma you could have made it whatever you wanted. And essentially, my great aunt made it into, like, a sitting room. There was no TV in there. It was brown everything. You know, the walls had that fake wood paneling. Uh, which I also had in my own house growing up. And um, I just loved to go and sit in that room on like a rainy Thanksgiving day. It was quiet. And um, <laughs> the couch was one of those couches that had like wooden armrests and then, you know, whatever, like plushy cushions. And um, I don't know, just I felt like I was transported to another time in that room. And in fact, I remember that 
my aunt had what I guess you could call like a portable TV. So I sort of half retract my statement from earlier that there was no TV in there because this is one of my most significant memories in that room is, um, I mean, but this thing was huge. I think if I recall the memory correctly, the, the device, you know, it had like an antenna. It was basically like a radio, but for TV. And, um, it was like the size of a VCR, like just a big bulky thing for literally such a small screen, like a teeny, like if you look at your cell phone, it was like, like if you look at your cell phone on the side, it was a little bit smaller than that. And uh, it only showed the television in black and white. And I specifically remember being like kind of amazed by this weird device. And I remember watching a scene from The Witches, that very strange movie based on the Roald Dahl book. And uh, I had never really seen The Witches, and it really I didn't actually see it until maybe even the past year. I had never really kind of sat down to watch it. And um, it was just... <laughs> so I always... Like, part of me is still in that room on a rainy Thanksgiving day. That is just a place where I... <laughs> I left like a, a little part of my soul in that room and it sort of like stays with me, you know? And, um, so I always is just like the height of comfiness, just comfy and warm and like dark, a dark, heavy colored room. And, um, yeah, I mean, so I have like, I love who doesn't, you know, rain is very soothing for a lot of people. That's, <laughs> we all know that. Um, so I love these kind of days. Oh, fucking A, the fucking coffee is finally ready to be made. Um, so it'll just be a second and you won't even know I'm gone. Oh man. So happy. I've got the coffee. Now it feels complete. I've got my rainy day, I've got my colorful leaves, and I've got a cup of coffee. Not pumpkin spice, just a regular old latte. Um, and anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I feel like I'm, in terms of what I'm doing with this podcast, which I'm, I feel reinvigorated with it when I have a purpose to record. That definitely is a component that was missing for me for a little bit there, which I talked about yesterday. And so I feel happy about that. Now, <clears throat> um, you know, as I've said before, well, let me back up. So yesterday, uh, some comments that I saw was just people kind of feeling a little frustrated that it was a lot of me kind of rambling about my own 
life and my experiences with math. And I understand that I'm a nobody, just like most people on earth. And I understand that we don't really value like the rambling of people that we don't know. You know, it just, I think that for a lot of people it can feel kind of oppressive and exhausting. And um, if you work with somebody like I have, I've had really exhausting and horrible experiences working with somebody who like won't shut the fuck up and um, really doesn't take the cues one might try to give that's like, I really don't want to talk, you know, like giving the one word answers, uh, really redirecting your attention to whatever you're, whatever you're actually supposed to be working on, um, kind of walking away, they'll follow you and keep talking. And this is not to bash people who do that. Now from the perspective of somebody who's more of, uh, I'm more of an ambivert, I guess. I like, I can tolerate being on my own. I enjoy it sometimes. I really, uh, I feel very kind of put upon by people who I, it's not a kind name. I would call them energy vampires, and we all know what that means. Just somebody who who drains you of your energy because they won't kind of... They, they're completely consumed by what they're saying, and they're not even really interested in you engaging with what they're saying. They're just talking. And I understand from therapy and from myself and even from this that and other podcasts that I listen to, and YouTube in general, and social media. That's something that's important to people. That's why social media, at least in my opinion, that's part of why social media is so... It just completely took the world by storm, is because people want to share their stories. Like the story about my great aunt's little room is so important to me and it has no meaning for you you know you can't even picture what the room is like you know you have your own picture of what it's like and um I think that I have to take a sip of coffee guys <laughs> I think that a lot of content today specifically with podcasting. Podcasting is so focused because it's coming, of course, out of like the radio medium, right? And radio is not, radio is hyper-focused on music, news, interviews. It's got a point. There's no fat on it, you know? And even if you, um, if you're from the U.S., but I think everybody kind of knows what like, the morning zoo DJs are, which is basically the morning commute DJs who are like, they're like, they laugh really loudly. The humor is like very like low grade, like Adam Sandler at his worst kind of humor. And like they use a lot of sound effects and 
they'll have people call in like on their drive to work and just like ask questions or give them a quiz like a pop quiz on pop culture over the radio that kind of stuff even that is focused there's a purpose that everybody's there there's a reason that you're listening because it's supposed to be funny or over the top and um so i think podcasting and the way that it is so like it's so widely available and accessible for literally anybody this doesn't cost me one single dime i didn't have to buy anything i didn't i have my phone and the headphones that i had and that's it and um so you could say that you know the way that i am using podcasting at least I almost kind of use it like, like it's like verbal Instagram or verbal Facebook, except that I don't post, you know, I'm not talking about kind of alluding to terrible things that have happened and trying to look for sympathy or something. I say that after yesterday's episode where I talked about <laughs> how terrible school was for me in a lot of ways. And, um... And what? And that is probably very self-indulgent of me to use podcasting for that purpose. Uh, and it's not audience-focused, which I've always said. Uh, I've always said that this podcast is for me, for me to express myself. And if you want to listen you're welcome to get in on it. Now that said, I, so anyway, so, you know, going back to some of the, just a, it was like three comments, guys. <laughs> People were kind of like, this was very unfocused. It kind of got like into like talking about Italy and I shut it off after that, or somebody even said like, uh, I regret that I spent like 40 minutes listening to <laughs> That was a two thumbs up. And um, <clears throat> I understand that as an audience member, you kind of expect the people who make content to make it for you and not for themselves. Or like the thing that they get out of it is making you, the audience member, happy or whatever, feel satisfied or feel educated or whatever you are supposed to get out of consuming a certain type of media, content, material. And this is definitely different in that way. I don't know if it's better, it probably isn't. Like this podcast probably sucks. <laughs> and, um, if it sucks, it sucks, you know? Um, I also think that from the first episode to where I am now, I've certainly changed in how I, what I'm doing with it, but it's changes that feel organic to me. So now I, I drink, I want to be awake for this because I realized that I am able to express myself better when I'm well slept and I've had coffee and that I feel excited about talking about 
whatever is in my head. So totally unplanned. Um, or like today, we have a little bit more of a focused thing going on. And um, that's still really for me, but it might also be enjoyable for you. Um, and it might be interesting for more people. I don't know. You know, like, I'm not a professional, obviously. <laughs> My audio is continually, like, excessively quiet. I don't... I have a real issue with that. I'm not sure how to make my volume louder besides screaming, you know. I bought a fucking mic from Amazon and it just made my voice sound like I was like talking to a tin can or something, you know. It didn't really help with audio. It's sort of the headphone mic that I use is at least more focused on my voice. Whereas the mic that I bought was just kind of like it just picked up like just my voice was sort of in the room rather than going into the microphone. I'm sure there's a very technical way to explain that. I don't know what it is. You know, it was sort of like the mic is the standalone mic was just kind of recording the sound in the room I was in. And as my voice came out into the room, it just picked up that sound. And the headphone mic is right near my throat. And sometimes I hold it up near my mouth and, you know, then it's a much more kind of focused sound. It's also designed for phone calls, so it's not, you know, like clearly <laughs> it's supposed to pick up mostly your voice. Any hoodily doodly. Um, now, a couple of episodes ago... I did an episode called Girl Group, and it is the lowest, it has the least amount of listens. I don't know why that is, but it has the least amount of listens of, like, all my episodes. It has, I'm, there's no, no sort of need for secrecy. It has eight listens, and mostly I average about... It's been rising very incrementally, but I average about 20 listens per episode, which is, I mean, that's nothing, you know, that's truly nothing. I'm speaking to a handful of people. I don't even know if they're return listeners, you know. Um, I, I kind of think that for the most part, it might be people who are coming back to listen because the number is pretty consistent. Um, but anyway, so Girl Group has eight listens. And the reason that I called it Girl Group was because I talked about why K-pop girl groups have so many people in the group. And I talked about how, like, you can't, possibly all be getting along and you can't like feature that many people in a song it's just crazy unless you're doing some kind of like farm aid or what was it hands across the world or hands across america something where you have like 15 fucking artists who all i don't know how long are those songs they must be I've never really listened to any of those songs from the 80s. 
I guess they must have sang, like, We Are the World, right? Anyway. Uh, and as I thought about, like, questions that I would like to answer, that one has really always stuck with me. <laughs> because I still, I, I can't figure it out. Now, I'm not a K-pop person. I don't. I don't really get it. I do think it's really cool that people are like so into this music that often is being sung in Korean. Not always, but a lot, very often. So I like that this kind of like, I mean, that's part of globalization, right? But I think it's kind of a, a nice thing about globalization is that so many like young people have become really fascinated with this other country and its culture. And, um, yeah, it just, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's a nice outcome of globalization and just sort of, you know, the internet and stuff. So I looked up, I just Googled, why do K-pop groups have so many members? Or I think I said, why are there so many members in K-pop groups? I might have even said girl groups because I don't, I know that BTS is a popular boy group, but I didn't think the number that was in that group didn't sort of stand out as odd to me as much as this other girl group that I watched the name of this girl group I cannot remember. And they had nine members and I was like, what the fuck? So uh, let's look at some, <clears throat> let's look at some people's answers and see if we can come to like a really satisfying conclusion. This is uh, someone on Quora asked, why do K-pop groups have so many members? There were 29 answers. Tiana Chan, a longtime K-pop fan who is here to serve some reality with T-E-A at the end. She says, in terms of number, technically NCT has the most members with 21 official members with more to come when SM, who's that, decides to debut them. SM must be the music production company. But they promote exclusively in subunits with members selected from that pool of 21. So you won't really see all NCT members promote at once unless SM decides to make a 21-member unit. They did release one song with 18 members as NCT 2018, but I think that was more of a special performance rather than an official debut or comeback. <coughs> as for groups with the most members who promote as a full group, I think it's 17 with 13 members. That's a boy group. For a girl group, there's WJSN. I assume that these letters mean something. We're not being, we're not privy to that in this response. Who also has 13 members, though for the past year, three members have been promoting in China. So they've been promote. Why do they keep, why do they keep saying promoting? I mean, I under, they're doing press releases and press 
junkets with that's promoting, but is is performing not a more accurate term? Other large groups. Boy group, the boys and girl group IZ, Asterisk 1, and Luna each have 12 members. There used to be a group called... Oh. <laughs> Finally, this person has explained one of these names. It's written as 14U, but it is apparently pronounced 1-4-U, who had 14, but they recently disbanded due to issues with the company. Super Junior also used to have 13 members at one point with two more quote-unquote subunit members who only promoted, again, promoted, in Super Junior M, but two members left and a few others aren't currently acted, active. It's complicated. <laughs> EXO used to have 12 members, but three members left after contract disputes with SM. Varsity is another 12-membered group with seven Korean members and five Chinese. How on earth do you make that work? What's the lingua franca? What's the common language between those people? I don't know anything about relations between South Korea and China. Not, I don't know one single solitary thing, okay? So I don't know if it's common for people in Korea to speak some Mandarin or Cantonese. I don't know if it's common for people in China to speak some Korean and maybe they can make it work that way. Seems difficult. It really does. It seems like making a group out of, like, well, well, just any two countries that don't speak the same language and none of them are English-speaking. But in 2018, the group was signed to two separate companies with the Korean members promoting in Korea and the Chinese members promoting in China, so I'm not sure if they're now permanently split into two groups or not. This gave us a fantastic overview of the size of some of these groups. It did not answer the question, why do K-pop groups have so many members? It really gave us a fantastic introduction to what we're dealing with exactly. <clears throat> um... <clears throat> This one looks a little bit more historical. I don't... This could be terribly boring, right? If I'm just reading, like... Because this is another, like, long text. Um... I think I have to look over some of these. There's 29 answers. <laughs> I'm going to take a second to look over some of these and kind of see what one jumps out at me. I'll be back in a second. Okay, so I really narrowed down, I had kind of, you know, I just kind of like opened up some links of that had that question, you know, seemed like they were going to try to answer it. Now, a lot of responses on the Quora page are just kind of people like recounting how many members are in each group or giving their opinion on, you know, what comes up is like, okay, well, more people doesn't mean better music, so how to, you know, people kind of saying, I don't think it affects the music. Okay, not our, not our business. This is a good response. Large groups in Korea actually date back to the group Super Junior, which we've already learned about in 2005. 
Before then, the K-pop groups of the late 90s and early 2000s were three to six members inside, just like in the West, and a large group would have been considered absurd. However, when leading agency SM formed five-member TVXQ in the mid-2000s, they had a dozen leftover trainees, which is like... It's so... What this bit coming up... I'll just read it. <clears throat> this was because by that point they had emerged as a clear market leader and everybody wanted to debut there as a consolation prize. SM put the leftover trainees in a graduation group designed to place them in entertainment industry roles after a few years. Inspired by the large Japanese group Morning Musume... Musume? I'm sorry... <laughs> M-U-S-U-M-E. Musume? All of the group members developed fandoms. The group itself did extremely well, and nobody was graduated, at least not nearly as quickly as planned. There has been a lot of water under that bridge in the last dozen years, but that's for another answer. Learning from this experience, SM then deliberately debuted nine-member Girls' Generation a few years later. I think that is the group that I watched initially and was kind of like, huh. <laughs> there was initially a lot of pushback against the large group size, but they become so wildly popular that they were regularly called the National Girl Group for Korea. After that, all bets were off. They've added a little addendum and said, as for why these groups work, large groups mean more individual members that can each attract fans and that from the agency's point of view, are basically lottery tickets in terms of catching on with the general public and perhaps lifting the whole group with them. They also allow groups to get away with members who have great looks or charm but lack the talent to carry a... I don't know why they've written it like that, but to carry a, a four or five member group musically. So people who aren't that talented musically... And I would assume dancing. Dancing is a big part of these groups. But they've got good looks and char charisma. They're charming. And that sentiment is really reiterated in other places. Is that, um, what's the word? Like, it kind of just, like, diversifies how many people they can draw in. It's all about money, basically. <laughs> I think we knew that. As fans, this is from a website called kpopstars.com, and I'm reading a quote. I'll get there. <clears throat> As fans' taste and preferences are diverse, the more a group has members, the better it can serve the fans' tastes, says Dr. Shin Dong Kim, a professor at Hallam University in South Korea. In other words, you can find at least one or two boys or girls of your own taste from the large groups. In a sense, the large groups reduce the risk of unpredictable fan enthusiasm. Uh, additionally, it allows members to take a break, like either for military service. I think I saw that floating around somewhere in there. If somebody gets sick, just wants to leave because they're on like, I would imagine, I guess they're doing what is called promoting, which is like doing like nonstop kind of performing and interviews and yada, yada, yada. 
And you can lose somebody who maybe is not that talented anyway, and uh, the group itself doesn't suffer. So it's sort of like, what's the something in numbers, power in numbers, right? They've sort of, they're sort of working off of that, that just more is overall the concept of the group is stronger because there's more people. I really have to imagine that it's very stressful for the people in these groups. Like, do we know about the... <laughs> What's the emotional and mental toll being placed on these people? I mean, they're in these groups, but God only knows what kind of contract they're under, you know? Like, in Sync and Backstreet Boys, they were making, like, almost no money for a lot of their career, like, at the height of their popularity. And uh, they were performing, like, constantly, you know? And they were just stuck in these contracts and sort of being told, uh, it's going to get there, you'll get your money, and fucking Lou Pearlman was just swindling them. So I, I really, I think I feel a little bit more concerned for the performers in these groups than anything. It just... And... I, I think, I mean, this is true of any kind of, um, kind of pop group like this. You know, you see it with Britney Spears. She was like the poster child for just <clears throat> good morals, uh, you know, great performer, sexy body. So she was like sexy, but not, she was quite sexy. <laughs> Let's be honest. It was mainly sexy, but girls wanted to be here, whatever, you know, some people, let's not even gender it. Some people wanted to be here. Some people wanted to be with her. Let's say that. Um, and we know that Brittany is not doing well. We know that there's a lot, there's a lot going on with Brittany's mental health ever since she had her breakdown. She's been under a conservatorship, uh, under her father, I believe. And uh, people really, these days, feel very concerned for how she's doing. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't sound healthy, does it? It doesn't sound like something that people should be going through. And I, not knowing anything about what Korean culture, quite frankly... If you watch the videos and you see pictures, it's sort of these, like, these really pleasant, happy-looking people. And we know that's not real life, you know? So it feels, it's a little bit disconcerting for me in that way. I don't, I, yeah, like, the more, knowing more of this makes me feel concerned more than intrigued and musically I mean it's just my opinion whatever <laughs> I liked NSYNC and NSYNC's music is not timeless I I don't even really like NSYNC's music anymore if I <laughs> Backstreet music has held up over time I like Backstreet's music now more now <laughs> uh yeah I just I know it's for the money and uh, it's, it's sort of, it's not even trying to not be fake. They're not kind of peddling the, 
the idea that these people are friends or that this is even something, it's not like these members are necessarily, they love music, you know, it's just literally they're being trained to be in a group to perform and to sing to an extent. I don't know, man. It's leaving me feeling very unsettled. Now, there is the longest article that has very good research, and the website itself is really um, well put together, is uh, the pudding.cool. That doesn't sound like a great website name, but... <laughs> or the, the website is pudding.cool. The... The actual, whatever, what, what do you, the actual website name is The Pudding. And they have an article by Isabella Chua, Chua, C-H-U-A, and Elizabeth DeLuna from just last month. Uh, why are K-pop groups so big? It seen, To me, it looks, I didn't read through the entire thing. It looks like a well-researched, well-formulated article and the website is really professional looking despite kind of the URL being a little bit weird. Uh, so if you are interested in reading more about that, you can go to the pudding or Google like the pudding why are K-pop groups so big and you will find something interesting there for further reading. So I feel like we've answered the question. Our basic question was why are K-pop groups so big? What we've come away with is, what I've come away with is, uh-oh. <laughs> the next thing to follow up is, how's the mental health of the K-pop group performers doing? Let's, let's do a mental health checkup on these individuals. So many that they are, <laughs> so many of them to check up on. Um, and I really feel like this, I, I think I've sort of recorded this in parts. I think this is going to be like a, like a shorter episode because I feel like I have answered my question that I really wanted to have answered. And, and now I know, and I, and now you know, and, um, so next week, this is the first time that I'm ever doing this in the history of this podcast. We're breaking new ground here. If you feel like writing to me, I am curious, what would be more interesting for listeners? You have a choice of two. Did George Washington Carver invent peanut butter or... Five Reasons Why the Roman Empire Collapsed. So they're both very, like, history-based. Um, and we're going to keep this, like, very superficial, you know? <laughs> we are not, we are skimming the surface. I want, like, a bullet point kind of answer. You know, that's all that I'm looking for in literally my life. I don't want long-winded answers. I want, give me the fucking bullet points, okay? So... If you want to write to me and tell me which one sounds more interesting to you, if nobody writes to me, I'm picking one. I'm looking at this picture of George Washington Carver. He just looks like 
a very sweet man and I'm sort of leaning toward Carver. I'm open to the Roman Empire one because I feel like it's a little bit <laughs> topical without being overly topical. So your choices are, again, did George Washington Carver invent peanut butter or five reasons why the Roman Empire collapsed? You can find my email in the description of this podcast and you can email me and let me know which one do you think would be more interesting to hear a nice little bullet point podcast about with a lot of rambling around it. But you cannot tell me that I fucking rambled, okay? I did a little bit of rambling in the beginning. Those two cups of coffee are really laser focused after those two. I just had my second one. That was what all that coffee was. That coffee complaining was about my second cup. So that's the episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> if it sucked, it sucked. Okay? Like, nobody's fucking holding a gun to your head. <laughs> you can push pause at any time. It won't hurt my feelings. You can... Maybe I'll produce an episode and you hate it and you say I'm never listening again. I understand. So maybe you'll be back, maybe you won't. And uh, I just, I wish you a lot of luck in your life, whatever happens going forward. <laughs> uh, talk to you soon. And I hope that you have a great day. Bye.